Good morning, church. It's so uh, good to be in your home and speaking to you about the Word of God today, where I've got this amazing passage that we are looking at and and uh, step by step going through uh, as well. So I want to ask you a question today. If somebody has said to you, uh, um, you are wicked, what would go through your mind? Uh, obviously, depending on the, the tone of their voice, uh, if the tone of their voice or the smile on their, on, on their face, uh, you know, is there, it may mean that they are actually saying to you that you are naughty or maybe playfully mischievous. But now if the voice changes and the tone of the voice is different and it's probably a little bit more direct and loud or even maybe interpreted as harsh, if somebody said to you, you are wicked, that would mean something very different to you are wicked. You see, the, the last one would mean that you are unrighteous, that you are evil, that you are depraved, that you are sinful, that you may be even a criminal or offensive. So we're looking at the scripture and God is speaking to us through the scripture as a church because we're looking for revival. And so, by the way, I want to ask you a question today. If you and I pray for revival, what are we really asking God for? What is revival in your mind? I would like you to think about that. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11 to 14 says this, and I'm taking a, a verse or two back. It says, So Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house and in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or pestilence among the people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their land, their sins and heal their land. So let me stop a little bit there because I've taken you deliberately a few verses back. It says, if I shut up the heavens and there is no rain and I command the locusts to devour your land or send pestilence among my people. In other words, God is saying, if judgment falls on you, if there is signs that I'm angry with you, if there are signs that I am judging you. Then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. You see, there is condition here. And God says, if you harden your heart, if you turn away from me, and if you become wicked, then if you humble yourself, and if you turn from that sin, I will heal your land. You see, God sets out the conditions for revival in his church, my dear friend. And as we've gone over the past few weeks, we said that humility is a condition. Prayer is a condition. And Nick addressed the issue of the fact that we have got to seek his face for revival. It is a condition for revival. Now, today, God is saying to us, if my people will turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal the land. What do you think God had in mind when he says, I want you to turn from your wicked ways? What do you think was his tone of voice? What do you think? You see, wicked ways? What is God referring to? 
And maybe, maybe today he's saying, Rulof, what, what, what are you referring to when you're looking at us and we're looking at your own life and you say, today, should we return? Should we turn, repent from our wicked ways? What is God saying to us? Can the church be that sinful? Can the church be that unrighteous? Can the church be so evil, depraved, criminal, and offensive to God that God may be saying to you and me today, to His church, if you turn from your wicked ways. Remember this church, this verse is given to the church, to the body of Christ. If you turn, can we be that wicked, that sinful? We need to constantly remind ourselves that God is talking to the church. And it is, as a reader, very concerning, and maybe for some of us today, very concerning that he would even have to tell his church to turn from their wicked ways. You see, my dear friend, if I look at your life and my life, our lives, it is true. If I look at the lives of the Israel, the history of Israel, that they turn so quickly away from God. And, and you know what, when it, how it starts is to become more independent of God. And the more we become independent of God, the more sin just opens and wickedness prevails even in our lives as a believer. A cold heart, my friend leads to wicked behavior and it's normally when it starts and you may go through the rituals of raising your hands and speaking in tongues and doing whatever charismatic believers should be doing or, or can be doing but let me tell you when that heart grows cold then it opens itself up to wicked behavior let me clarify what the gospel really is i want us to go back to basics today because we're looking at wickedness of heart and repentance today as well. Let me clarify this message of the gospel. John the Baptist preached a message of repentance. The Bible says he came to prepare the way for the Messiah to come. And what did he preach? He called religious and non-religious people to repentance. He baptizes them and he says the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent therefore and also bear the fruit that goes with repentance. And Jesus comes along. He follows John the Baptist. John the Baptist speaks about him. Jesus arrives. And what is Jesus' message? The first words that he speaks almost is this. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. You see, my friend, repentance and wickedness are words, both words that Jesus used. Let me take you to Luke chapter 11 uh, verse 13. And we dwell a little bit on the issue of wickedness. He says, if then you who are wicked know how to give good things to your children. How much more will the Father in heaven give good gifts or gives the Holy Spirit to those who are asking of him? You see, this line really bugs you. It bothers me. The first time I read it, and I said, how can it be that, that Jesus calls people wicked? If you who are wicked... That may even include us today. If you who are wicked, and you know the first thing that comes to mind as well, maybe it's poorly translated. Let me go back to the Greek language and see what it actually says. It seems like it's really a bit harsh for the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, to refer to mankind as wicked. Are we really wicked? Are we this wicked? That the Bible calls us to repentance? It's tough stuff, isn't it? It seems that in the eyes of Jesus, maybe mankind is evil and needs to turn, needs to repent. So, 
What's going on here? That's the question you may ask, be asking yourself today. What and why, why does Jesus call you and me wicked? Why does he call mankind wicked? First, let's go back to the Greek. The Greek actually uses two words. If you go to the original Greek, when our Bible translated, translates the word wicked, there's actually two Greek words. The words poneroi and hupercontis. Actually two words. And the word poneroi means to be bad in nature or condition. To be bad. The next word, and like I said, these two words are used. Hupercontus is defined as being bad from the very beginning. In actually, he's saying to us, those of you who are wicked, in other words, bad, inherently bad, from the beginning, originally bad. If you then, who are originally bad, know how to give good things, to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father not give you the Holy Spirit to those who are asking uh, for it? You see, when, when this word is translated, you are wicked, it is actually exactly what Jesus is saying. It's accurate as it is translated in our Bible. Inherently, we are wicked. Jesus is saying that human beings are inherently evil. Deep down in our heart, our fallen state is making us inherently evil. We are inclined to do evil. And because we are inclined to do evil, and if we don't repent, we become evil. You see, our nature is sinful. We are naturally drawn to sin. I'm sure you've played with a magnet when you were a child. And you put a magnet on a table or you move it towards some steel objects or coins. And it's interesting to see how these coins are just drawn to this magnet. And sometimes as a child for hours you can play with this and and make movements and, and so on. And in a sense that is exactly how our nature is as human beings. Even as a spiritual believer, there is something in me, and I'll take you to what Paul says just now as well, that is drawn towards sin. And constantly I have to be repenting of my sin and turning back towards the the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, whether Jesus meant that by nature we are wicked or just by comparison to God we are wicked, really the issue is here that as humans we are drawn to what is evil. We are drawn to bad things. We are drawn to what is sinful because of our very nature. What I do see in my life and what I do see in other believers' lives as well around me, it is our hearts are susceptible to deviate from God. Our hearts, the Bible says, is wicked, deceitful, deceitful above all things. It is, it is true to say that we grow cold so quickly, almost overnight. And, and test yourself. How many times maybe in a service have you felt, wow, I'm really making a recommitment. And it doesn't last until Tuesday. Our hearts are so drawn towards sin and sinful behavior that overnight I can go from extremely hot excited, passionate about God, to a believer that turns away from God. We have minds, not only hearts, but we have minds that are capable of being influenced by evil 
very, very quickly. We have minds that are quickly influenced and can quickly conform to the standards and the patterns of this world, unlike to what God is calling us to do as a church. You see, it's interesting when you look at the Bible that even Jesus, when a young man comes to him and falls down on his feet and, and speaks and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus looks at him because Jesus knew that this man was not seeing him as God. He was seeing him just merely as a man. And so Jesus looked at him and saying, as a man, I'm telling you, because you're seeing me as a man that don't, why you call me good? Because only God is good. Only God is good. So my dear friends, in comparison with God, we are definitely wicked. If you have something that is absolutely bright, absolutely white, maybe a t-shirt or whatever you think could be absolutely bright and white and clean, and you put something that is dirty next to it, it really does show the dirt on the material that you put next to something that is brilliantly white. And that is who we are in comparison with God. Brilliant, holy, pure. And then I come as a human being with a heart and a mind that is so easily taken away from God. What must I do to inherit eternal life? This man says, and that's maybe a question that you may be asking today as well. I think we need to eat humble pie and listen to what Jesus says about us. That we have wicked hearts. I think we need to hear what God is saying to us in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If we turn from our wicked ways. I think we should stop being offended when the Bible calls sin, sin and wickedness, wickedness. You see, the reason why both John and Jesus and his disciples preached the message of the gospel and repentance is exactly because that is who we are. We are in need of constant turning towards God as well. You see, the word repent or repentance in the Bible is used a hundred times. Both Jesus, John the Baptist, the disciples and preachers since then have preached the message of repentance. And they say, if you repent, and you've got to repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. What is the kingdom of heaven? When you hear the words kingdom of heaven, what is your understanding of the kingdom of heaven? You see, for many of us, the kingdom of heaven has meant that it is a time has come where I will get everything that I want here on earth. All the blessings that I can mention. But that's not what the Bible says. Think of a kingdom. Think of a king that reigns. What does it mean in earthly terms, in human terms? Well, a kingdom is a place where a king reigns, not the objects, not the subjects, not even the sons. The king reigns. So Jesus says, repent for the king of the kingdom wants to reign in your life and in my life. That's what it means. Come to him and submit to him. Come under his authority because he is the king of the kingdom. In Romans chapter 7 verse 24 Listen to what Paul says, and I'm reading uh, from a different translation from the Amplified Bible. Wretched and miserable man that I am, who will rescue me and set me free from the body of death? In other words, this corrupt mortal existence. And then he says, thanks be to God, for my deliverance comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Those were Paul's words. That's the apostle of Paul. 
That is what Paul is crying out. Who will deliver me from this mortal, corrupt existence? And he says, the answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, I have deliverance. See, I struggle with the fear of heights. It's just one of those things. You know, I can stand on a roof, whether it's two meters or three meters or higher. And when I stand on the edge of that building, it feels like the ground is just pulling me. I don't know how many of you can identify with that. That's why when it comes to a cliff or a waterfall, I lie straight down on my stomach. I cannot stand on the edge there. You see, so it is in a sense with sin as well. It's like, it's like we're standing on this cliff and the, and the, and the depths of this, this valley where, where we can really get crushed and hurt and destroyed keeps on pulling me down, keeps on pulling me over this cliff, keep on pulling me downwards. That's what Paul is saying. And if you can't identify that, maybe you're a supernatural or superhuman being. You see, the gospel is the amazing grace of God reaching out to us as sinners. It is a willingness on behalf of God to say, I will build the bridge between you and me. I will lay the cross over this cliff so that you can come towards me and you can find forgiveness and reconciliation. But let me tell you, friends, unless we come to a place of repentance first and continuous repentance of our wickedness, the gospel message is not completed in my life. I spoke to a young man some time ago who came out for prayer and asked him if he's given his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, yes, I did. And I asked him, have you ever repented of your sin? And he looked at me like, no, what do you mean? And I had to take him through just confession of his sin, repentance of his sin. Because you see, although he was genuine about his relationship with God, he came to God, not through repentance, but believing that God just wants to love and bless him. And in the end, it is true. But at the gate is repentance. You see, on Judgment Day, my dear friend, we're all going to stand before God. And God is going to use one ruler, one standard. And he's going to compare you and me to his righteousness and his sinlessness. And if he does that, you and I are going to fall short. And that is the beauty of the message of the gospel of Jesus. Is that when he look at you at judgment day, if you and I have repented of our sin and turned from our sin and received that forgiveness through Christ, then he looks at you through the eyes of Jesus. And on judgment day, when Satan comes to accuse you, Jesus will say, that one is mine. And God will say, you are forgiven. That's the message of this cross, a repentance and forgiveness, a belief and an acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God isn't asking us to only do better because if that was the case, none of us will make it. God is asking us to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to confess our sin, to repent regularly of our sin, and then we will be saved. If you are trying to do good and be better, you'll never make the grade. And it doesn't mean I don't struggle with sin. I do, like Paul, wretched man that I am. Who can save me from this body, this corrupt nature? Only Jesus can. And constantly I've got to come back to this place, being called by God today. If my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways, 
You see, wicked ways, my dear friend, I'll come to that in a moment, might not be the gross stuff that we see in the world. But the the gospel message is one of repentance. That is the true gospel. It is a gospel, a message of repentance. It is turning and constantly turning from our wicked ways. That is repentance. It is a vital part of the gospel message. Sadly, I think that for too many of us and far too many of us, we have gone to an extreme and we have gutted the gospel from the call to turn from our sin to God. In other words, we've gutted the gospel from a call to repentance. And I'm asking you today, if you've come for a blessing only, you've heard half the gospel. The gospel or the blessing of God comes, the rain comes, the protection from the locust comes through repentance continuously of my sin. In fact, the call to faith in Christ must include a call to repentance. Jesus began his ministries, as I said, and in Mark chapter 1 verse 15 again, it says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Faith in Christ is repenting from sin. It's the two sides of the coin, faith and repentance. Faith and repentance. Let me tell you, there is no genuine repentance without faith. And there is no genuine faith without repentance. Can I say that again? There is no genuine repentance without faith. And there is no genuine faith without repentance. You see, today there is a costless, changeless form of Christianity that is foreign to the word of God. A costless, changeless form of Christianity that, say, that says to you and me, come as you are. But then it also says, you're welcome to stay as you are. My friend, I've said it before, that he says, come as you are, so that I can change you in who I want you to be. You see, the result is that churches are filled with churchgoers who have little more intention of obeying the word of God and God himself than non-church goers. So in the church, we have you and me that have no greater intention than the world outside there to obey God. And we think we are saved. At every point, they see sin, but they refuse to repent. You see, in a book, Patrick Mortley uh, uh, um that he calls I Surrender, writes this, The church's integrity's problem is the misconception that we can add Christ to our lives, but not subtract sin. It is a change in belief without a change in behavior. It is revival without reformation, without repentance. I want to leave that on there for a second or two so you can really let that sink into your heart as as it is sinking into my heart when I read it again and again. We have this misconception that I can add Christ to my life, add him to my life, but not subtract sin. That I can believe 
without a change in behavior. That I can have revival without reformation, without repentance. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. Multitudes of people who profess to be followers of God are unwilling to distance themselves from sin. They're unwilling, like the Israelites. God is calling His church today to purification. God is calling His church today to holiness. God is calling His church today. And He's saying to you and me, if my people want to see my blessing in this land, you, my people, will have to turn from their wicked ways. Who can sit here today and cannot say, that you struggle with sin in your life. We're all in the same boat. We all find ourselves so easily distant from God. We all find ourselves that there are things in our lives that does not honor the Lord. The question is, how seriously do you and I take those things? If Christ is the answer, then forgiveness and cleansing is part of the package. We cannot think of faith without repentance. We cannot think with, with faith, uh, about faith without repentance. You see, God in His love says to you and me, Come, come to me, seek me, you will find me. Turn from your wicked ways. I will hear, I will draw near to you. You see, it's a matter of direction, my dear friend. You cannot run away from God and towards God. And if you want to run towards God, you've got to run away from sin. So you can't run towards God and towards sin. It is a matter of direction. They are two opposites. Turning from wicked ways or turning to wicked ways lead us to turn away from God. And the other way around as well. Turning to God must Lead us away from wickedness. We can't go into both directions at the same time. We have to repent. We have to constantly repent. I find in my own life, repentance is almost a daily thing. Thoughts, attitudes, words, deeds. Constantly I've got to come before the, the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, I need your cleansing. That's the message of the gospel. If we've got to be honest, I want to ask you, how broad is wickedness, the road of wickedness in our lives? Wickedness isn't just doing things like murder and stealing and child abuse. Go read 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and it speaks there about Paul writes to the church and he says, you blowing my mind, sexual immorality is worse than, than the heathens here in the church. And he speaks about things like like um, uh, um, uh, sleeping with your, 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 your father's wife and stuff like this. How on earth can you even entertain that? How can you boast about things like that? And we say, yo, that is wicked. That is wicked. Then he goes on and he says this. Listen to verse 11. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate yourself with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral. He didn't stop there. He says, or greedy, an idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard, a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Tough, isn't it? You see, we look at these big gross sins 
And you may be saying, I, I don't know if I've got need for repentance. Well, how about pride and selfishness and gossiping and self-righteousness? How about a lack of faith? How about fear? Are you battling with any of those? And maybe Jesus is saying, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, will pray and will turn from their wicked ways. Maybe he's saying that to you and me as well. Let me end by saying this. this. Turning from wicked ways means a turning towards an obedience producing love for God. Listen to it again. Turning from wickedness means turning to an obedience producing love for God. Jesus saves us from our sin, not merely in our sin. We aren't saved by obedience, but we are saved for obedience. I want you to write that down because I think these are two things that you and I really need to meditate on. Jesus saves us from our sin, not merely in our sin. He wants to take us away from it, remove it from us and remove us from it. And then we are saved not because we are obedient, because that's impossible, but we are saved for obedience. That's grace. That's the grace of God. Listen to Deuteronomy eleven thirteen to 17. And if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Then he says, he will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain, the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. And he will give you grass in your fields for your livestock that you shall eat and be full. Take care lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship him. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will shut up the heavens that there will be no rain and the land will yield no fruit and you will perish quickly of the good land the Lord is giving you. Can you read this passage? He's saying, if you will love me with all your heart, and if you are obedient to me, I will give you rain at the beginning and at the end of the season. Your grass will grow, your crop will yield. I will bless you, says the Lord. But if you don't, I will withhold it. I will withhold it. You see, dear friend, we're living in a time where the church needs to rise. And before we speak, we need to live the message of holiness. Keeping the Lord's commands is a product of loving Him with all our heart and our soul. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will keep my statutes. You will keep my instructions. It really comes down to love. Let me conclude by saying to you, to Jesus, to you today, do you love Jesus more than life itself? Is your love for God growing and burning brighter than anything else in your life? Or has your love for Jesus cooled? Do you find yourself just going through the motions? Then you need to repent. You see, when I say 
I'm looking for revival. I asked one of our staff members, what are you looking for? There's a staff member. They're living a, a righteous life. And he just says, I'm looking for a meaningful, more meaningful, passionate relationship with Jesus. You see, revival is not necessarily seeing all the wild, weird, and wonderful stuff happening, but it's just that passion, that love for God to be rekindled. I pray for revival in your life and my life. The remedy, the beginning, the start of it, and continue with it, means I have to live a life of repentance, coming back to the heart of God, coming back to my first love. Let me ask you with this question again. What do you think God had in mind when he says, I want you to turn from your wicked ways? Do you think his tone of voice was harsh, hard, or was it one of invitation with arms wide open, lovingly calling me back to him, closer to him? What do you think? Father, I pray in Jesus' name, if I'm not, people are not right with God today, that you would save them through repentance, through faith, in Jesus' name. Folks, if you're not right with God, there will be something on the screen that will appear there where you can click on a link and we would like to speak to you. Because the way to start it is faith and repentance. If you believe, if you confess, then you will be saved. That's the message. And I pray that if you need to do that today, or if you're backslidden, that you would come through repentance back to Jesus. Through repentance back to Jesus. May that be the story of your life today. In Jesus' name. Amen.